from the upcoming film True Crimes, please welcome two-time Golden Globe winner, Jim Carrey. Thank you. I am two-time Golden Globe winner, Jim Carrey. You know, when I go to sleep at night, I'm not just a guy going to sleep. I'm two-time Golden Globe winner, Jim Carrey going to get some well-needed shut-eye. And when I dream, I don't just dream any old dream. No, sir. I dream about being three-time Golden Globe winning actor, Jim Carrey. Because then I would be enough. It would finally be true. And I could stop this, this terrible search. For what I know ultimately won't fulfill me. But these are important, these awards. I don't want you to think that just because if you blew up our solar system alone, you wouldn't be able to find us or any of human history with the naked eye. But from our perspective, this is huge. One more time, here are the nominees for Best Motion Picture Comedy. Hey. Hey, good morning, everyone. How are you? You can clap for me or Jim or whatever. That's good. Uh, I'm Chris. I'm so glad you're with us this morning. Uh, I'm, and I love that clip, don't you? Um, you don't have to say. I'm not going to look up to see if you liked it or not. But I love it. I love that clip. It's a good clip. And I think I like it because Jim Carrey, he comedically uh, describes that yearning, that satisfaction thing that many people have about happiness, about completeness. And the reason I shared it is that as Christians, people that would come to a church on a Sunday morning, um, we believe that the search that Jim describes can only be satisfied in a right relationship with God through Jesus. And what we see is Jesus understood that your best life now, my best life now, Jim's best life now can only be experienced in Jesus, and, and he, he kind of brings it up. He's like, you know, this terrible search. And I think that's true, that like the thing we're looking for, it can't be found in a promotion or a better job or a new job. It can't be found in a romantic relationship, either the, ro the romantic relationship that you want or if you wanted to change your current situation with a new one, it can't be found that way. It can't be found in any amount of achievement or accolades or influence. And today we're beginning this new series called I Am. And it's about the I Am statements of Jesus. And what we find is in the life of Jesus, Jesus directly addresses the issue that we saw in the clip. And he directly addresses the thing in our hearts that's yearning for more. And so I'm going to begin, and as I do, would you join me, and I'm going to pray and welcome God's presence with us, to be with us today. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would be here. 
I ask that you would come and that you would um, teach us. You'd lead us. God, there's so many things that um, we come in this room with that we're carrying on, holding on to. And I ask that you draw close to us in the midst of those things. And speak to me, speak through me, help me to speak as I should. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be looking at John chapter 6. We get this statement that Jesus makes. He makes a very interesting statement, and it is this. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. But what does that even mean? I am the bread of life. Well, let me give you some context. Jesus is on the scene. He's doing miracles. And whenever you heal people or people come back from the dead or if limbs grow back, you're doing something amazing like healing people and speaking with power. Uh, people tend to gather around you. So all these crowds start forming around Jesus. And everywhere he goes, they go. And the crowds are getting larger and larger, right? It's a very big scene. So at one point, they're kind of out in a wilderness kind of area, and there's about 5,000 people that are with Jesus at the time. And he's performing miracles, and people are like, wow, this is amazing. And it's getting late in the evening, in that day. And as it's getting late, Jesus goes, it looks like the people are hungry. You guys should give them something to eat. And Philip's like, one of his disciples, Philip, is like, I don't, we don't have any food. And he's like, give them something to eat and whatever. And so there's some, they don't know how to feed them, right? And so Jesus performs a real miracle. They grab this kid's five loaves and two fishes, and they multiply it so it feeds the 5,000 people. It's a true bona fide miracle. Now, if you had experienced this miracle, you might feel strongly about Jesus too. You, excuse me, you might say, we should make him president of the United States because you get free food, right? And that's what they were going to do. The text gives us the impression that they were going to make Jesus to be the king by force. But Jesus, although he was a king, he didn't want to become king that way. He didn't come here to become king the way they thought he should become king. So what does he do? The crowds are there. They're kind of getting their act together like we should march down to Jerusalem, make him king right now. And Jesus, sensing that they're going to do this, he, he uh, escapes in the crowd. He grabs the disciples, and they're right on the edge of a lake. And on this lake, he gets on a boat. They cross over to the other side of the lake. And by the way, while they're on that lake, uh, he calms the storm. So just another extra bonus miracle there. And on the cover of night, they rode their bite across the lake. And when the crowd wakes up, because they were like, oh, it's too tired. We just had a bunch of loaves and fishes. We're tired. They just like apparently lay down in the sand. But they get up the next day, and they're like, hey, where's Jesus? And they finally get word that he crossed over to the other side of this lake on the boat. Okay? So he's on the one side. And then they finally catch up to him. Because they're like, we're not, I mean, we just got fed. So let's see what's for breakfast. And here's what he says. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, which means teacher, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Pause. <coughs> Jesus understands people, and he points it out. You're not here to get to know me. You're not here because of the miraculous sign. You're here because I gave you dinner. I fed you. And can you blame them? If you knew, if you received a gift card uh, that was unlimited to any restaurant ever, I think it would be called a credit card, but we'll call it a gift card. So you have an unlimited credit card that could be spent on food wherever, for however, and you could rack it up as much as you want. First of all, um, you know, where would you go first? Do you have any thoughts? R&D, where would, where would you go? 
Cane's chicken strips, yes! I didn't know you liked it so much. Can we schedule a mandate and go get fried chicken? Okay, I love it. Uh, uh, someone else, what would you get? where would you go? Okay, where would you go? Nobu, oh yeah, mm, fancy Bo. Can we also schedule a mandate and go to Nobu? Okay. So imagine you get free food for life, you would start to consider like maybe we should make this guy a governor or a president or at least my best friend, right? You would want to bring this person into your life. You, and so Jesus is recognizing that, that they're after the stuff, right? And, and you would be too, if you're honest. Maybe you wouldn't want bread and fish. Maybe you'd want Nobu or Cane's or, you know, R&D. But Jesus continues, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Okay, so Jesus is trying to widen their horizons. This is the pivot point. And he wants, Jesus wants the people to see that he has so much more to offer them than just bread, than just benefits. And he uses this phrase, eternal life, which means more than going to heaven when you die. Now, many of us were taught that eternal life means it's about fire insurance, so you don't go to hell or something like that. And it's more than that. Eternal life in the original language, in the original context, meant something for here and now. And the New Living Translation has an amazing uh, way of describing this, and it says this. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. And Jesus in this moment is telling the people, just as he's telling you and me today, that he wants us to experience eternal life forever and ever, but also here and now. And it's a, what is that? It's about a quality of life. You see, Jesus invites you and me into a much richer life now, like right now. And I think sometimes we think that we have to die before it gets good. I mean, no, it sounds pretty morbid, but, but it's not true. That's not what Jesus intended. That there is something that he wants to do in you now. That is a sign that he is alive and well. And if, with that, you, get this, you get the gravity of this, the, that the God of the universe wants to do something in you now. He wants to bring eternity into your life right now. And how's that found? How do we find that? Well, as a Christian church, we believe that relational connection with God is the answer through Jesus. And so Jesus is giving his listeners, just as he gives you and me, it gives us a, a choice. We can chase after temporary things, bread, bigger bank accounts, Bigger 401ks, bigger stock options if you're in that kind of in line of work, better resumes. I want a better resume, don't you? But better romantic relationships, more influence in your church or if you work with another nonprofit, more comfort, better accommodations when you travel, maybe even better image management with the people whose opinion you care about. Or we can chase after the thing that Jesus says will satisfy. And when it comes to the abundant life, Jesus says that all true satisfaction comes from him. It starts with him. It's a bold statement. Now, in order to understand that statement, 
the audacity of that statement, you have to compare it against the alternative. Think of, some, think of something that people think will make them happy. Can you think of, I, I mentioned a few, maybe you could think of one. And we have to ask a house, a house, uh, yeah, I would like, yeah. yeah, okay. Okay, um, we have to ask the question, will the pursuit of this thing ever end? And even if I reach the end, will it satisfy me? I recently came across a star-studded story about uh, a man named Paul McCartney. Uh, maybe you've heard of him. He was in a band in the 60s called The Beatles. And I think it really illustrates the point. And McCartney said this in an interview. He said, it seems to me that no matter how famous you are, no matter how accomplished or how many awards you get, you're always still thinking there's somebody out there who's better than you. I'm often reading a magazine and hearing about someone's new record, and I think, oh boy, that's going to be better than me. So when the interviewer asked McCartney why he still felt competitive insecurity after all the success, I mean, he's a beetle. And he's still like, I don't know, this guy's, <laughs> this guy's coming up, you know. You know, Kid Rock has a new album. <laughs> this is going to really throw me off my throne. Uh, he, he says this, he says, I should be able to look at my accolades and go, come on, Paul, that's enough. But there's still this little voice in the back of my brain that goes, no, 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 no. You could do better. This person over here is excelling. Try harder. Paul McCartney. A hard pill for us to swallow is this. If you take anything material that's created that you can see, touch, taste, feel, so on, if you take any material thing and you turn it into an ultimate thing, you make it your ultimate desire, your ultimate goal, Paul McCartney is here to tell you that it will never be enough. It won't satisfy You'll never be fully satisfied. You will wake up hungry again and again and again. And this is the man. He did it. He's in the Beatles. And yet we look at someone like Paul and we go, well, you know, I'm different. You know, I'm different. I, I don't. But what he's getting at is the thing that sits in, inside all of us. There's this need to be satisfied that just can't be fulfilled by anything that is material. And so I'm coming to you today with a pro tip, a hack, a shortcut. Chasing after things that you think will make you happy, that you can't keep forever, won't make you happy. Chasing after the wrong things will keep you from experiencing the full life right now. Only life with Jesus can satisfy. This is an audacious claim. And it still sits as the foundation for our other decisions. And perhaps some of you are here today and you've never made that commitment. And you would say, you know what, maybe today is the day. Maybe it would be important for me to orient my life to the person of Jesus and welcome him in. And, and by doing so, the promise is, is that you will experience a healthier life. That Jesus will come into your life and he'll mess everything up. And then he'll build you up into something new. And that is something for you. And if that's you, I would love to talk with you about that, about how you can welcome them in and, and, and move towards the person of Jesus. Well, as we return to the story, Jesus tells them to spend their time chasing eternal things, right? 
But what do you think they're thinking about? Is any guesses? What are they thinking about? Any guesses? Bread, that's right. Thank you. Um, <laughs> no one said anything. <laughs> they still got bread on their minds. That's what at least I think. And the problem is, is that Jesus hasn't forked over any more food. It's breakfast. They haven't been fed. And so he asked them, so then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? So basically they're like, what do we got to do to get the bread? What do we got to do? They want to know what hoops they need to jump through to get that bread. Let's get this bread. What hoops? What do I have to do to qualify to get God's blessing? And then in verse 29, Jesus says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. These people are asking for a list of things they needed to do, and they, they want that free bread subscription. But Jesus says only one thing is needed. Believe in me. Follow me. Trust in me. And so then the crowd has the audacity in this moment. They say, give me a sign. Give us a sign. Moses gave us signs. Can you give us a sign? And make the sign more bread. And Jesus had to be like, did you not see the sign yesterday? What's going on? Are you dense? <laughs> he didn't, Jesus, Jesus didn't call people dense. He called, Peter, he called Peter Satan one time, but he didn't call, he didn't call people dense. So for the record, for all, the point I'm trying to make here is this. Uh, people in the modern era say, God, you know, if I go to church, like every week, if I try to, uh, you know, do this or that or clean up my life, if I don't smoke or chew or go with girls who do, <laughs> if I keep my side of the street clean, um, you know, will you give me that job? They bargain. People bargain. You know, you know people bargain. Not you, not this crowd, other people. <laughs> they bargain. How, you know, God, if, if I can get this accolade... Show me a sign that you're really with, and then, then I'll align parts of my life with you. We do it all the time. Show me a sign, Jesus. Show me that you're worth following. And so Jesus replies. He's like, nope. Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. God is the one who provides what you truly need, Jesus tells them. He gives true bread. The bread that really does give life. And so they say, sir, always give us this bread. Let's get this bread. And it's in this moment that Jesus makes his statement. He says, I and the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus says, I, I am the answer you're longing for. I am your longing to be satisfied. You are chasing after lots of things, but it will never fill the hole inside of you like I will. Bread can't satisfy, money can't satisfy, influence can't satisfy. Success will never fill those cravings. Pleasure will always leave you feeling empty. And approval will never be enough. 
Only Jesus can satisfy that deeper hunger. You understand what I'm getting at here? There's a hunger inside of us, and only Jesus can fill it. And a life connected to Jesus and modeled after his way of living is the path to that satisfaction. And so here's the promise. A life of generosity like Jesus. That is going to bring you more joy and security than any accumulation of wealth ever could. A life of gratitude to God like Jesus is going to bring you more contentment, more fulfillment than any amount of success could ever do. A life invested in the service of others, serving others and caring for others, it's going to bring you more pleasure than the pursuit of leisure ever could. And a life, and this is important for some of you, a life built on the unchanging love of God for you as his son or as his daughter, that's the thing that's going to bring you more peace and more confidence than any pursuit, endless pursuit of anything, any pursuit of the approval of others. So how do we do this? How do you do, how do, you do this? Well, it's a, first of all, it's an orientation. That God, God I'm, I'm open to you, orienting my life around you, making you the leader of my life. I, that is the first step. I talked about that a few minutes ago. But anytime, for those of you who, who affirm that, that you say, you know what, I've already dressed up and I came to a church service in a, in a school on 10 a.m. I'm, I'm in on Jesus. How do you cultivate that? Anytime you spend your energy cultivating your connection with Jesus through corporate prayer and worship, by corporate I mean together, that, is, that will cultivate it. That will help you to grow in your life with God. Anytime you set aside a part of your day to pray, and, and maybe it isn't the kind of prayer where you list up the ways of things that you need. God, help me with this. God, help me with that. God, help me with this. God, give me that. God, get rid of this person. Bring this person in. And, get it. and uh, also, help me with the water. Not those prayers. The kind of prayers where you pause and you say, God, I welcome your spirit to speak to me. Because sometimes we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we're talking about. But God does. So what about the kind of prayer? And, and even if it was like, uh, and this is something I try to do, and you, sh and you should try to do too. Take... Start with three minutes a day where you pause and quiet your mind. You say, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to me. And then you just have a little pad of paper and you write down what happens during that time. And sometimes, through our minds, he'll bring a scripture. He'll bring someone to mind that we should reach out to. And in that moment, God is speaking to you. And there's a way to test those things, and we can show you how to do that if you're a little uncertain. Because sometimes people say God's speaking to them, and it's really not. They had bad chicken last night, and the problem is, is we can't have that, right? And so there's a way to make sure that the Spirit of God really is what you're hearing, and you're not hearing some other voice or even your own voice. You can, you can grow in that. Welcoming God's presence through listening prayer is a great way to do that. Jesus did this. Oftentimes, Jesus is a very busy man. Healing thousands of people all the time, making bread out of nothing, giving sermons, calling himself the bread of life. A busy guy. But it says he often escaped to spend time alone with his father in heaven. Now, if he is the son of God and he's like, I got to get away, how much more do you and I need to carve out that time to welcome him in? And so if you are a follower of Jesus, you have to think about this, carving that time out. Now, I know our phones are busy, and I'm sure there's some sort of... Um, 
you know, adrenaline rush that's a part of our phones or being busy, but making space for it is important. When we read the scriptures, this helps us to align with the ways of Jesus. Uh, and also, I want to put a plug in for other human beings. Did you know, oh, you've heard me say it, there is a uh, God-shaped hole in our life. I, I mentioned it earlier, that only God can fill. No amount of money, no amount of free bread, no amount of approval of others, right? But also, we learn that in our lives, in our hearts, there is a human-shaped hole that God refuses to fill with himself. That God designed you and me to be in relationship and connection and sharing with other followers of Jesus. And any time we prioritize that, there's, God's word says that his spirit comes and dwells among his people. And so when we, when we do that, when we do that, we're actually hearing from God and we're growing with each other. This is the way. This is the way it's been done, that when you're in this church, so you in this room is not just you here sitting talking to me, that God is in your relationships with each other. And when you go out to the courtyard and you grab a snack and you hang out for a little bit before you run off to go watch the Super Bowl, there is something in that that's supernatural that's taking place. It's not just people doing small talk, but it is the opportunity for God to speak to you and maybe even more importantly, maybe God is going to use you to speak to someone else. Maybe you are the person God will partner with today to help them. And so being in relationship, being involved in a community group and things like that, these are the ways that we connect with God. These are the ways that we take in the bread of life, who is Jesus. Listen, I suggest you do it. I'm going to do it because as we do this, we're setting ourselves up to be satisfied, truly. Truly satisfied. That's it. If you want to accept or experience the bread of life, you got to connect with God. That is the way. And so may you spend your time and energy and your attention pursuing Jesus in his kingdom and you will experience the life that God intends for you. Amen? Amen. Why don't we all stand?